Good morning. Greeting the precious name of Jesus. God is good. It's encouraging to hear commitments being made, hearts being given to the Lord. I don't know what it does for you, but it makes shivers go up and down my back. We're going to win. God's people are going to win. I don't know what you were expecting this morning. You came here to hear something. And I'm trusting that the Lord will meet your needs. And, being this is council meeting, I wasn't sure where to go, what to do. So, I'm going to continue my study in the Beatitudes. And we're going to look at the next one. Matthew chapter 5, verse Love does not dominate, but cultivates. This is not from Scripture by any means, but this was a quote that I saw here some time back. I entered the doors of the post office, and they have a whiteboard behind their their uh, counter there, and this was the quote for that day. So I've been thinking about this. Love does not does love does not dominate, but cultivates. And that quote is given by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Not scriptural, but but profound. So I give that quote for your consideration. Looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We've been studying, looking at the Beatitudes. Here we could probably say is the third step to being happy. You want to look at the Beatitudes as a, a key to living your life, finding true happiness. What is meekness? Many people will equate meekness with weakness. Meekness, so people that equate meekness with weakness, uh, is an attitude of allowing everyone to run over you because you're afraid of them. This is not meekness. In fact, some of the strongest men who ever lived were meek. And we looked at one of them this morning, Daniel. Meekness equals Power under control. 
If you forget anything else this morning, I'll give you this little equation. Meekness equals power under control. Another uh, Bible character that comes to mind is Moses. Moses was a great leader. We studied him in our last quarter, in our Sunday school lesson. Numbers 12, verse 3, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Jesus was meek. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. What does it mean to be meek? So let's look at the root definition of meek. In the original language and how it is used, we can maybe understand it a little better. So the Greek word for meekness comes from the word pros. Sounds like mouse, but pros. And this word is used to describe a soothing medicine. It is used by sailors to describe a gentle breeze. It is used by farmers to describe a broken cult. This is meekness. So a good working definition of biblical meekness is strength under control. Just as Jesus was powerful, the creator of the universe took upon himself the yoke of coming to this earth in true obedience to his Father. So Jesus calls us you and me, to take that yoke of submission to His will. We need to yield our life, our plans, our agendas to Him. Also, thinking of meekness, I guess I can relate with it a little bit, being a farmer, understanding the concept of a broken colt. We had an incident happen this week. Of course, it always happens at the un hour of the day that you really don't want it to happen. I got a phone call, cattle out, long highway. Things go through your mind. Is it yours? And uh, I went and looked. Aaron was there already. They contacted him, or somebody did. He thought they were his. They weren't his. They weren't mine. So these police officers are along the highway here watching these cattle. And it's a fairly busy highway. At that time of the day, it's not. Um, but they were broken. When I think of cattle being out, I think of them being wild. Something spooked them. Something got them going. And... Uh, these cattle were tame. Before I got there, one of the officers had gone down there and was feeding grass to one of the bigger ones that was probably 800 to 1,000 pounds. And uh, so I, there was a little spark, a little glimmer of hope here that maybe we can do something with these cattle. And when I came there on the scene, the officer told me, he said, if you shine your flashlight on them, they're yours. Okay. Not already done that. He's like, is there anything we can do? Can we get a trailer and load them up? And I'm thinking, there's no chance that we can load these cattle up on a highway in a trailer. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I'm thinking we need at least 20 gates and got to corral them and pull them together. But 
We said, we'll give it a try. We go back. We get three gates, not very long gates, only eight-foot gates, and the trailer. And uh, I figured, well, we're going to try. Well, until we got back, two of the officers had already roped two of the cattle, and were there holding them. Okay, well, this is great. There were seven of them total. There's still quite a few at large yet. So we, uh, I said, well, you guys might as well, we set the gates up and told the officers, you might as well lead them up to the back of the trailer. That will help the others know where to go. I had some grain along. They didn't seem to really care for that. But anyway, um, so they're pulling their cattle up. One guy, one officer got his in the trailer, and the other's pulling for all his worth, and the rope tore. He ends up sitting on his butt faster than you could say one, two, three, and he gets up and gains his composure, and, you know, we're right there behind him, so we chase that one up. So I, I told the one officer, I said, you stay on the trailer with these, and we'll just keep bringing them up. And that's what we did, two by two. We got them on the trailer. Um, there was another aspect of this whole picture that I didn't tell you about. There was a storm coming. There was lightning, thundering. No sooner had we got those cattle on that trailer, it just started pouring. And it rained. Had those cattle, they were tame. We were able to, to get them where we needed to go. But there was also this, with animals and storms, it just seems to be there's a suppression. They're, they're willing to give in. We had one, though, that looked off, put his ears back. I'm thinking, he's going to be a problem. He's going to dash, and the rest is all going to be gone. And uh, as I pondered and thought on this, do we allow God to take hold of our ropes and lead us as the storms come on? Or do we fight back? <coughs> And get that wild look in our eyes. And we run as fast as we can run. As hard as we can run. Who in the end is the one hurt? It's usually ourself. So strength under control. Ephesians 4, 1-2 Therefore, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech ye beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So, in other words, let me reword it. Meekness means walking according to the precepts of our vocation, controlling our attitudes toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. Colossians 3.12 Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Let me make it simpler. Bury the old man, submit to God, and forbear and forgive one another. Thus, meekness is curbing the natural desire to rebel, to fight, to have my own way, to push myself forward, and you could add to that list. So what is the relationship with this Beatitude, verse 5 here, in the placement of the other Beatitudes? We've looked at the first two already. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
They are the ones who realize that they are spiritual, that they have spiritual poverty. And they realize that they cannot do anything to save themselves. Then, blessed are they that mourn. This person not only realizes that they are a sinner and powerless to save themselves, but also act upon the knowledge of grieving over their sins and their sinful state and being separated from God. Now let's look at these two. Blessed are the meek. These are the individuals who understand their spiritual poverty, mourn over their lost condition, and are willing to submit their lives to the will of God. And then the next one, I'll give you a little introduction. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those who submit their lives to the will of God will naturally desire to learn all of God's will for them, and then will do that will. So some examples in the Bible. Another another one, Abraham. Genesis thirteen, seven to nine. We know the count where Abraham and Lot were there, and there was strife between the herdsmen, between Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen. And Abraham said, let's not have strife. That's my own words. And he was willing to make a choice. He said, Lot, you can either choose the plains or the desert. Did you ever think how this story would be different if Abraham had not given Lot a choice? What if, what if they would have continued in their, in their strut? Or what if Lot, this maybe goes to this quote a little bit, love calibrates, does not, not, does not dominate. There was a choice here. And Abraham gave Lot that choice. David, another example. You know, he was anointed to be king. Saul was yet still king. Call the time that he went in and Saul was in that cave and he cut off a piece of the garment. It smote, it smote David's heart because he did that. Also in Second Samuel 1, 11 and 12, Daniel rent his clothes and the men with him when they heard of the death of Saul. These men were, were meek, but yet very strong. And you could add more. Let's look at Jesus. He was powerful. He was the creator. He cast out demons. He stood up boldly to the religious leaders of that day. He even went into the temple, chased out the money thieves, or the money exchangers with uh, a cord. But yet, there in Matthew 26, 39 and 42, I'm just going to turn to that. Matthew 26. Thirty-nine and forty-two. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, 
If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Verse 42. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Notice the mutinous. I want to give you quickly five lessons of meekness. Number one, being teachable, not unreachable. Number two, becoming gentle, not judgmental. Three, being an actor, not a reactor. Four, becoming understanding, not demanding. Five, becoming tender without surrender. So then looking at Matthew 5, verse 5, they shall inherit the earth. So we've got the second part. What does it mean to inherit the earth? Those who are meek, faithful Christians, will have an inheritance in this life. They will be truly satisfied with life. Philippians 4.11 Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Also, the meek will inherit the new heaven and the new earth. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. I hope this was an encouragement to you. It was an encouragement to me. Are we teachable? Are we willing to be used by God? Are we willing to surrender my will, our will, to God's will? Do we allow others to teach us? Dennis, this one's for you. A.W. Tozer wrote, The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his own, in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as a Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is weak and helpless as God declared him to be, but paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels, 
in himself, nothing in God 